Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. We talked about peace in Galatians um, a couple of Sundays ago. Last Sunday night, we did a message on a, we're doing a word study on peace. We started last Sunday night. We're going to continue that study on a message entitled, How to Restore Peace When You've Lost It. And we're going to look at eight ways how to do that. Let's get James chapter 5 and Psalms chapter 51. James 5 and Psalms 51. James chapter 5, and we're going to read verse number 16. We'll, we'll, we'll start there. Psalm chapter 5, verse number 16. The Bible says, Confess. Let me say that one again. Confess your faults to a Roman Catholic priest. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Confess, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Confess your faults. The first way that we can restore peace is to admit that we're wrong. <laughs> Now's a good time to pray. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, Heavenly Father, it's hard for us to admit that we're wrong. Saying the old W word is really hard, but we need to get better at that. Would you help us see what your word has to say about restoring peace? We ask your help, Lord. I need your help. Please help me tell the truth so that we can all be edified by the teaching from your holy word. Amen. Admit you're wrong. Confess your faults. One to another. It's not my fault. It's the other person's fault. Brothers and sisters fight all the time. It's never brother's fault. It's always sister's fault. Sister says it's always brother's fault. You know, husbands and wives fight all the time. It's always my wife's fault. It's always, my, you know, the wife's, it's always my husband's fault. That ought not be the attitude that a Christian has. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's my fault. One way to restore peace is just to admit you're wrong and confess that fault. Maybe it's maybe it's not even sin. Maybe it's just there's a little bump in the road about something. There's a little miscommunication. And just get it out there. And it'll tend to work itself out. It's just admitting it, confessing it. Let's get over to Psalms 51. Maybe it's nobody's fault. <laughs> Maybe it just needs to be brought out and talked about. Psalms 51. So we need to admit that we're wrong. First, in James, we see the principle of one to another. Admitting we're wrong one to another. Um, in Psalms, look at this. David goes to God. And let's start reading at verse number 2. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity 
and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee. Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Nathan confronts David. Thou art the man. Nathan confronts David the psalmist. And David pens these words down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But look how he owns it. Me. Wash me. Cleanse me. My sin. Verse 3. My transgression. Verse 3. My sin. Before me. And look at verse 4. Against thee. That's God. Thee only. Done this evil in thy sight. Thou mightest be justified. Thou speakest. When thou judgest. You know what he does? He admits he's wrong. We saw in James, it's one to another. We see in Psalms the principle of to God. Ultimately, when sin is involved, we're sinning against God. It's great. We have a fault one to another. And if that fault is a sin, great. We confess it to one another. We work it out. But don't forget, it's before God. It's before God. Proverbs 28. How to restore peace. Admit that you are wrong one to another. We saw that in James 5. Psalms 51, we admit we're wrong to God. Ultimately, we sin against God. And then Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter number 28 and verse number 13. Look at this. Why should we admit we're wrong? Let's find out. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth alway, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief as a roaring lion and a raging bear. So is a wicked ruler over the poor people. How do you restore peace? Admit you're wrong. One to another, to God, and then also for mercy and for happiness as we see this principle in Proverbs. How can you be happy by fearing always? Isn't that a funny verse? Happy is the man that feareth always. Now if you just read that, wouldn't that be like, huh? How can someone that's afraid be happy? But when you read the entire context, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Whoso confesseth forsaketh them shall have mercy. Uh, let me back up a bit. Notice in verse 13, it doesn't say, whoso confesseth shall have mercy. There's a lot of people that confess stuff. Yep, I was wrong. A lot of times they confess it because they're caught. But what does it say? Whoso confesseth 
and forsaketh them. There's criminal fellows out there that smack their wife around and do this type of criminal activity. And every morning after they sober up, it's always the same thing. Oh, sorry, honey. <laughs> they confess it. They won't forsake it. You want to be happy? Confess and forsake your wrong. If you sincerely confess your sin, if I sincerely confess my sin, and if we sincerely forsake our sin, then we honestly will be afraid of doing that sin in the future because we've honestly dealt with it in a real way. Meaning, we've felt the pain of it. We reaped what we sown. And we're just confessing it before who we sinned against. We're confessing it before God. We want the benefit of mercy and happiness. And an honest heart that confesses and forsaketh will be happy because we'll fear. Always. The fear is going back to that sin. We don't fear sin enough. That's why we're not happy. We need to learn to hate what God hates, which is sin. We need to learn to fear doing wrong because we are sinning against a holy, righteous God. But we don't think like that anymore. But we all need to get back to that. We don't fear God. We don't reverence God. You know how many people text OMG millions of people around the world it's not even a big deal just OMG all day long men don't fear sin men and women don't reverence holiness that's where we're at culturally in America 1 John chapter 1 let's look at one more All the way to the back of the Bible, we'll go to 1 John. 1 John chapter number 1. We restore peace, admitting we're wrong one to another, admitting we're wrong to God. We admit we're wrong for mercy and happiness. And 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9 and 10, we'll read. Look what it says. Very familiar. If. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Why admit we're wrong? So we can be clean. Parents don't want their kids dirty. Get those dirty clothes off. Don't come in the house with those dirty boots. Get those boots off. We want the church house clean. God wants us clean spiritually. Why do we clean everything up in the physical world? And we should. We should. Why don't we just, why don't we just leave all the crumbs from dinner all over the table? Why don't we just leave the oven just 
all the stuff after cooking, just leave it there and and and, and why don't we do that? Because it's not clean. And more dirt brings more dirt. We confess our sins, God will cleanse us. I want to be clean. I want you to be clean. God wants us to be clean. Spiritually. Just admit you're wrong. Confess your sins to Him. And He will clean you up. We can't clean ourselves up. But He says He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we don't have to live dirty, think dirty, and be dirty. He can make us clean. Now praise Him for it. People don't want to admit they're wrong because they're too prideful. Pride is the root sin of just about everything. I can't think of anything else that trumps pride. Satan, uh, Lucifer fell because of pride. And if, if, if you really want to be a big man, or if you really want to be a big woman, if I want to really be a big man, then we all need to be willing to be little. <laughs> just be little. Humble ourselves. Admit we're wrong. Okay, I think we got the point of that. Amen? Amen. Number two, how to restore peace. Be at peace with God. Let's get Romans chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3. Romans chapter 5 and Colossians chapter number 3. Be at peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Peace with God comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get over to our Colossians verse, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we'll read verse number 15, and look what it says. And let, we were justified by faith and we have peace in our hearts through Jesus Christ in Romans 5, right? That, that, that's what happened when we got saved. Now look at Colossians. We're saved. And here's what it says. And let, allow it. The peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. We've got to let it, let it rule. There's not a lot of people that enjoy this type of peace. I like walking into homes where it just it smells peaceful. It looks peaceful. The spirit is peaceful. And I don't mean kids are sitting there like robots and they don't do anything wrong. But there's happiness. Youngsters are running around. People are talking. and, and ha 
If you've been in homes like this, have you been in businesses like this, have you been in restaurants like this where you just feel at peace? You like going there to eat because it just feels peaceful. You know, you like going to that friend's house because it's just... But there's not a lot of people that enjoy that. We should as God's people. Christ is supposed to be our all in all. That's what all Christians say. But a lot of Christians, I wonder, where's the peace? <laughs> I don't mean the hippie peace, you know. Look at verse 16. In Colossians 3, right? Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with sarcasm and cursing and talking behind one another's backs. <laughs> Man, that'll preach, won't it? <laughs> Except that's not what God's Word says. Because you're not going to have peace that way, and neither am I. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now look, and whatsoever ye do, verse 17, word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. The Christian life is not self-occupation. The Christian life is occupation by Him. He is the one that we should have occupation with. Forget about self. Occupation with Him. The person of Christ for the glory of Christ. Isaiah 26, please. And Philippians 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And then Isaiah Isaiah 64. Uh, let's do Philippians 4 first. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse number 7, The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. We're talking about being at peace with God. And that peace will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And it will allow you to do verse number 8. Things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good. All that stuff. That's how we can restore peace. Just be at peace with God. And lastly, let's look at Isaiah 26. Isaiah chapter 26. And we'll read verse number 3. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Where's your mind? If your mind is stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ, it really will prevent us from a lot of agitation. Because it is easy to be agitated. 
And as you get older, you get more agitated. And you get more bitter. And you get more miserable. And you get more mean. And you get more angry. And, oh, sorry, I lost it there. Because you just keep role-playing. You just keep video looping that stuff in your head. What do you expect to happen when you grow old like that? <laughs> what do you expect to happen? Yeah, you look at little kids. They play the same uh, songs over and over again. They know them all. They imitate them all. They watch whatever shows they watch. You know, they'll watch it over and over. They'll start imitating that. You know, adults, we video loop the same thing over and over and over, and then we wonder why we're miserable. Well, turn the channel. <laughs> what, what do you expect? If you, ladies, if you keep complaining about the old man and you keep looping that over and over, you're going to get bitter and miserable and angry and hateful at the old man. And the old lady, you know, you keep video looping in your head. Yeah, the old lady this, the old lady that. Well, guess what? Change the channel. Put something else in your heart, in your mind and in your heart. So you don't grow old and bitter. You have your mind stayed on the Jesus Christ, I'm telling you. He is our agent of peace. It's him. Be at peace with God. And sometimes leading people is walking behind them. <laughs> so it is. Yeah, you read Ephesians uh, 6, right? The whole armor of God. You're going to put on you know, the helmet, the breastplate, and your shoes, and all, you know, all of that. But there's nothing you put on your back. You know why? Because God's got your back. <laughs> and sometimes leading, it's best to just step back and lead from behind sometimes. Just be at peace with God and just go. Number three. Oh boy. Boy, oh boy. Genesis 33. Be humble. Uh, be humble. Humble pie is not tasty, but it does contain much nourishment. Let's talk about humility. Genesis 33. Genesis 33, verse number 1, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph endermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Jacob the trickster. It's been 20 years. It's been two decades. Jacob the trickster. You know what he does? He humbles himself. And he bows seven times. 
Now, gentlemen, I'm not suggesting you do that when you come home from work to your wives, but I'm not suggesting you don't do that either. <laughs> Ladies, I'm not suggesting that when the old man comes home that you do this. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. But I'm not suggesting that you don't do it either. <laughs> Humility. Jacob bowed seven times. Now, culturally, we don't do that in America, but I can tell you, growing up most of my adult life in martial arts, you know what is very commonplace in martial arts? Bowing. And I'm not talking about Eastern mysticism and bowing down to a demigod or bowing down to some Buddha or something like this. I'm not talking about Eastern religion. I'm talking about culturally and traditionally in martial arts, when people bow, it's humility. It's to show humbleness. You are taking your eyes off of your opponent and bowing. Now, some martial arts will say, don't do that. They each have their own philosophy on that. But because you don't want to take your eyes off your opponent. But he's not my opponent. He's my training partner. But I said all that to say, it's a form of humility. We need to get better as Christians at humbleness. Get over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, I just wouldn't know what to wear to church. I just wouldn't know, I, I just don't know what I should wear to the fellowship. First Peter 5, verse number 5. We'll start at the middle of the verse. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and here it is, and be clothed with humility. How about wearing that to church next Sunday? <laughs> Everybody get dressed up with humility and come. You know, humility is something that people see. Even though it's a spiritual thing. It's not physical clothes. We're more concerned with fixing our hair and shaving and making sure our tie's right and making sure... You, you, you know how it goes. The shoe's tied right and all that. And that's great. All that's great. But how about fixing the clothing of humility? <laughs> Don't you think that's more important? We get emails sometimes. What, what, what does your church believe on, on dress? Uh, and, and I usually reply back, well, we'd like you to wear clothes. <laughs> I'm going to start, I'm going to start replying, read first Peter five, five. <laughs> That's going to be my new response. Come with humility, be clothed with humility. The next argument that happens, put on some humility. That's the mark of a Christian. That's looking to restore some peace. Here's the biggest challenge after success is had. Shutting up about it. <laughs> somebody wins something. Somebody gets a promotion. Somebody just had something big happen in their life. And what do we want to do? Look what happened to me. Look what happened to me. I'm. 
Look, I do it. I've done it. Humility. 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 You get success, just to God be the glory. Praise the Lord. Or what I teach my kids is when somebody gives you a compliment, pass the praise. Yeah, I tell you, you got a good church family that helped me. Yep, got people that support me. Yep, my mom and dad did a great job raising me. Hey, I got good, I got good workmates that work side by side, and I, I couldn't have gotten the job done without them. Why is that okay in sports? Why is that okay on the job? But now when we live the Christian life, we forget all those principles. That's humility. Recognizing it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord using us. Let's pass the praise and be humble. All right, so be humble. Number four. This is good. This is good. Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. And then get back, uh, keep your finger in Genesis. We're going to go back to Genesis just to, to chapter 32. And we're going we're gonna to see if we can understand. You want to restore peace? Number four, make restitution. Make restitution. Luke chapter 19. And we might have to just stop, pause, and park. I'm not sure if I'm going to get all through this. We might have to have a part three of, of peace. But we'll see how far we get. Luke chapter 19, verse number 8. Look, the Bible says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man, by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus, he messed up in the past. He was committed to making restitution in the present. You know what he got now? Peace in his heart for the future. This is a guy who messed up. But that's how you have a future that is peaceful. You are willing to make restitution. Nowadays, you got to sue somebody. <laughs> it's just... It's just the way it is. If you break somebody's fence, mend it. <laughs> Fix it. You don't even have to go to the Bible for that. Although you can and find the principle. You should just know in your heart that 
You just backed up to your neighbor's fence. Fix it. Pay for it. Make restitution. And if you're not, please take the Scripture signs off of your lawn. Take the Scripture signs off of your car. Don't let anybody know you're a Christian. Because the whole town, the, the whole neighborhood just saw you back up into your neighbor's fence and you had no intention and it's just sitting there and you're not going to fix it. That's a bad, bad, bad testimony. I did something stupid. I don't pay attention sometimes. I don't know if, if, if you fellows have this problem as much as I do, but we had we had the storefront we we rented we had a we had a martial art academy in the storefront i backed out of that plaza so many times for 16 years the same parking spot and you just get so used to being there that you don't pay attention well a car was where it shouldn't have been <laughs> it was in the space across where nobody hardly ever parks he shouldn't have been there no i should have been looking but I didn't. I did what I always do. Backed out the same way. Well, I bumped this guy. Nobody's in the parking lot. Nobody's around. I could have just drove off. But instead, I walked across and I think it was the, the uh, Asian people doing the nails and stuff. And as they seen me walking over, because my car was still in the middle, they walked out and I said, oh, I I think I might have hit one of your customers' car. No, that's my car. <laughs> Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> Look, they were good about it. You know, we, 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 we got it all fixed up. It didn't cost me that much. But, and you know, then you tell your wife these things. Then you're going to have to make restitution again because she's upset because now the insurance is going to go up in a whole bit. But, you know, you got to make restitution. If you break a kid's toy truck, restore it. If you back into somebody's truck, fix it. Fix it. It's the right thing to do. It's the Christian thing to do. Now, let's go over to Genesis chapter number 32. Genesis 32. And we'll make this our last point because we will not get through. We have eight of these, and we're on number four. So you got to come back next week. Or you can get it online. Genesis chapter 32. I want you to see something. Here's the restitution Jacob is making. Um, we'll start at verse number 11. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night, and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother. 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milch camels. Those are camels that you milk. So they're milking camels. With their colts, 40 kine. A kine is just a 
cow, a female cow, and ten bulls, twenty she-asses, and ten fowls. A she-ass is a female, female donkey. Wow, that's pretty good. So I did some math. I said, that's a, that's a lot of restitution. Jacob's really, I mean, he's really going out of his way. It's been some time and he, he, he feels bad and he's ready to make restitution. A she-goat, he's going to bring 20, how many she-goats he going to bring? 200 she-goats. If you get a female goat for $200, that's 40 grand in today's money. Uh, then he says, he goats. You get 20 he goats at $100 a pop, that's two grand. Or no, is that 20 grand? Two, that's a lot of thousands of dollars. Use, 200 use. That's a lot of use at $200 a pop, that's 40 grand. That's a lot of money. 200, zero, zero, and then two zeros there. Yeah, that's right. And then 20 rams. If you get a ram for $100, that's $2,000 or $20,000. Camels, look at these camels. He's bringing 30 milking camels. Cows. If you get $1,500 for a cow, that's a lot of money. Bulls. She asses. You figure a thousand dollars for a bull, two thousand dollars for a donkey, and then what? Which I think is funny. Yeah, and I'll throw them in ten fowls. <laughs> yeah, there's five, ten bucks. You know, <laughs> we'll give them some birds in there too. That's six figures. That is six figures worth of animals. That's a lot of restitution. You think he's serious? Well, people, you know, kind of debate this, but the point I'm trying to make tonight is he is going out of his way to make restitution. He did somebody wrong, his brother. A lot of time has passed. Has some time passed between us and whoever it is that we need to make restitution with or we haven't made amends and it's maybe still fresh if that's the case don't let a decade go by don't let two decades go by if you want to restore peace be willing to make restitution maybe it's a cup of coffee at Ralph's Donuts before you go to work and just hash it out and buy your friends some breakfast. Maybe it's a maybe it's a a serious meeting and a outpouring of your heart to admit you're wrong and find a way to restore what's gone bad. Or maybe right now it's nothing. Life is great and you're on a high. I like those parts in life. But let's not forget, 
If we want to restore peace, we need to one, be able to admit we're wrong. Number two, we need to be at peace with God. Number three, we need to be humble. And number four, we must be willing to make restitution. Let's bow and thank the Lord. Lord, thank You for Your Bible. Thank You for the verses that we were able to glean some truth from tonight. I hope it was edifying to Your saints. I certainly desired it to be so. We ask You to dismiss us and help us to be able to keep these Scripture verses and thoughts fresh in our minds so we can meditate on them and maybe apply some of them this week in our lives in a real way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.